Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. So happy to have you here. If you're new, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you're returning, welcome back. Thanks for being a listener. I appreciate you so much. Um, today's episode is with Paige Park. She um, opened my eyes about so much. Originally, I sought her out because I saw that she talked about grief and not a super fun topic, right? But I thought, you know, we all have experienced it at some point in our lives and she gives coping mechanisms for that. And I found out during the podcast that she's actually into yoga. So it was really a a two for one. I enjoyed it so much. And her voice is just, she's really got a calming voice. I loved her voice. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, under Conversations Podcast. And you can feel free to reach out to me anytime at Donversations at gmail.com. I'd love any feedback. I'd appreciate a review if you go on Apple um, and that's how you listen. You have to go to the main page where my podcast is and you scroll down past a few episodes and then you'll see reviews and then it says write a review. Um, So you could do that for me. I'd appreciate it. Or you can leave me some stars on Spotify. Um, But anyway, I'd really appreciate it. And I'd love the feedback too. So anyway, guys, here we go. Hi, Paige. Hey, Dawn. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. The the thing that stuck out to me, grief into purpose, that just was like huge. I was like, I need to know more. So (laughs) here we are. And I want you to, because I normally, I have like a few questions, you know, that I'll start with, but I honestly didn't know. I think, I feel like I'll come up with questions as we talk because I didn't know, like, like why, what got you into this is the main thing that I guess I need to know. Okay. Well, it was kind of two different paths. So I started the yoga path first. Well, I mean, grief has, I think always been on and off, like a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. When I was two, not that I remember him, but I know that affected my family because he died suddenly. I had a cousin that was shot in a hunting accident um, when I was young, and he was my brother's best friend. And I know that while I don't remember him very well because I was very young, um, I know it affected like my brother and my family. And like, and in turn affects you. And in turn affects me. So, you know, I've had grief events over my life that nothing really impacted me until later. And I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to jump back to my yoga journey. Yeah, no, you're fine. Go ahead. (laughs) So I started, um, I took a yoga class as a PE credit in college. And that was kind of my first introduction to it. And then over the years, it wove its way in and out of my life until a few years ago. Um, I think it was about four it was about four years ago after the death of my father I needed my school I've been a classroom teacher for 24 years my school offered yoga at a discount they partnered with a local yoga studio and I so connected with this woman um, 
she encouraged me to do yoga teacher training because I was looking for an avenue to help my students with mindfulness and meditation. And as a result of my research that I'd done and then the classes that I took with her and her encouragement, I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training, um, which led to a 300 hour yoga teacher training, which led to a <laughs> yoga teacher training, which led to a children's yoga teacher training. Cause I, I told my, my teacher at one point, um, I said, girl, you're killing me. Like I'm, I'm going broke doing all these trainings. You keep doing things that like hit right with what I want to do. Yeah. And never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I would have opened um, a, a space for people. And I, because I've been a teacher for so long, I work with kids. I love working with kids. This is deep soul work for me. Um, and I've worked with kids with disabilities my entire teaching career. And one of my very first clients was, is, I still work with him, a 14 year old boy on the autism spectrum. Okay. And that's amazing. Mom was looking for something for physical because he has a lot of physical issues. And so mom was looking for something to get him moving, to help strengthen him. What she didn't know would happen is that in addition to the physical movement and the strength, he would also learn self-regulation through the techniques that I was teaching him. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. And so she's like, it has taken the place of therapies for him. It's taken the place of physical therapy. It's taken the place of, no, I'm not a therapist. I'm just an educator with a vast background. Um, and I have a lot of yoga tools that I teach people that they can use to help self-regulate. And we learn, I teach a lot of body connection. I teach like how to get in touch with physical sensations within your body, how to get in touch with your emotions. And so I, I started doing this and in January, one of my very dear friends looked at me and said, Paige, you need to start teaching grief yoga. And I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. That, yeah, that's grief. Isn't a fun word. No, really. <laughs> um, and so my grief, my really deep grief journey started nine years ago when my divorce was final. Five months after my divorce was final, um, my mom was diagnosed with a glioblastoma multiform, which is a basically a death sentence brain tumor. She died nine months later. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. My father had been diagnosed with Parkinson's a few years after his retirement, which was several years before this all happened. He died two years after she did. And then oh my gosh, my oldest brother died two years after my dad. So in a six year time span, I lost like three immediate family members. And the, wow, that is so sad. It was really intense. And so during the time when like my mom was sick and my dad, like my mom's sick and um, she's going through these things. And then my dad's as stubborn as the day is long. And so <laughs> falls and cracks a bunch of ribs. And we've got mom on one floor of the hospital because 
she's going through the treatments and the treatments are creating like different things within her body and her mind and she's kind of losing it and goes like catatonic and we think she's dying and then dad breaks his ribs and he gets super sick and so we're bouncing like from one floor of the hospital to another to go see you know depending on what parent we want to go see him oh my gosh swapping places so that you know for periods of time they're they're not alone and you know when my mom was first diagnosed they put her on steroids and she got super paranoid so for the first several days um we alternated who stayed with her overnight and so you know we each my brother and this is between my brothers and i like we didn't have my dad spend the night with her because we we just felt like it would be too much for him right we'd rotate who who would spend the night with mom at the hospital until she was in a space where she was feeling more comfortable and not quite so paranoid and was able to um, deal with everything a little bit better. So yeah, it was, it was, and we had two years of three, actually three years, three years of that crazy. Isn't that nuts when, when you're in the thick of it like that and it's like, you look back on it and like, oh my, (laughs) like who was that person that went through all of that? Like, I can't believe three years is a long time to be dealing with all of that. And my nervous system was a hot mess. I'm sure. And, and you have um, how many brother or how many siblings? Two older brothers. Okay. Okay. So yeah, there's just of my immediate family. There's just one brother left, and then. Okay, and you guys um, all lived in the same city when this was all going on. Yes. Or okay. I mean, Indianapolis is big and has little towns around it. So, like, I was living east of town and my other brother lives west of town so and then my oldest brother was actually living with my parents at the time all this was going on okay I mean thank god for that that you have to try and find a bright light and sometimes in situations like that like if it had all fallen on you you know can you imagine like thank god that you had your siblings there too to help I yes and no (laughs) (laughs) okay new story yeah (laughs) um well, I, as a woman, and I know this is, and as a strong woman, I see things that need to be done and I just do them. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I see things in a way that my brothers didn't. And my oldest brother really struggled emotionally to handle everything. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't want to deal with any of it. And my other brother would have been more than happy to help, but you had to tell him what to do and instruct him and instruct him. And I didn't have time for that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Working full time and helping take care of my parents and not that, you know, not to discredit my brothers in any way, shape or form. Um, Like I said, my, the middle brother, he totally would have been happy. Like if I had said, Hey, will you do this? He would have been absolutely happy to do it. Um, but sometimes it was just easier because I had so much emotion going on in my own personal self and I, you know, I'm working full time and I'm, I ended up in charge of everything. Basically I was doing booking all appointments for both parents. Um, 
I, I'm the one that brought up the conversations about money and finances and who was paying the bills and that kind of thing. So I got that too. And then, um, I'm pretty organized. We ended up organizing both moms and dad's meds once a week. Yeah. And, um, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think a lot of that, me personally, I feel like a lot of that is because of you being a teacher because my sister's a teacher and she gets things done and she is so organized and she always has a plan. And my brother and I, not so much. Well, I, my brother's probably better at it than I am, but it's funny the dynamic that goes into play when all of a sudden you're forced to deal with something with your parents yeah, well, and, and the, the roles that people take. Oh, very much so. And not only did I have a plan, but 90% of the time in all of these circumstances, plans A and B typically failed. So I would usually have planned out to D, E, F, G oftentimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I was, have that foresight. I yeah, don't. I was thinking so far ahead and it's really been a challenge to pull myself out of that because it does wreak havoc on the nervous on, on your nervous system and on your body because you're in that constant flight mode right distress yes and so yoga has been a really key factor in helping me learn to go oh yeah I don't have to do that anymore <laughs> yeah I just find it so intriguing that just on a fluke, you took it as a gym course yeah. and then it became your life. I yeah. love that kind of stuff. You know, how just one thing is so pivotal and takes you in a completely different life path. Yeah. I, if you had even told me two years ago, I started my yoga teacher training. If you had told me two years ago that I would be doing this work full time, I would be like, you're crazy. Yeah. That's awesome though. You're doing what you love and you're helping so many people. It's so beautiful. I, I absolutely love and It sounds so contradictory, but I'll say grief yoga is my bliss. And it is, I love teaching people these things. I love teaching people how to be and experience grief in a way that is healthier for their bodies, for their mind. Um, because grief doesn't have to be, it's heavy. I'm not going to lighten this at all. It's heavy stuff. It's heavy work that we're surrounded by it and you can't bypass it because grief is one of those things that it just keeps coming up and it demands attention. It demands to be heard. It demands you to deal with it. And the more you stuff it down, the more it's the different ways it's going to come out in different ways. It'll come out as physical symptoms, as emotional symptoms, um, as mental health problems, if, if you continue to not pay attention to it. So to be able to give others the tools to be with grief, to grow. I had someone send me something last week that says your grief doesn't shrink, you grow around it. And I was like, oh, that's so true. That uh, is a really cool quote. Yeah. And so to be able to, to give people tools to grow around and encapsulate their grief in a way that it's not as heavy, not because the grief has changed because it's always there. Once grief enters your life, it's with you. 
Mm -hmm. Is it the, the fact of being mindful um, or is it the actual physical act that helps with the grief? It's actually a combination. Okay. Um, the being mindful and the learning to sit with it. And then I teach breath as well, like using the breath. And I teach different breath work techniques to help. Breath work can calm the body or alert the body, depending on what your need is. Mm-hmm. Or, or also be a release. I have a fun breath that I teach people that's also a release. Um, and so being able to use that, sometimes just that physical, because um, there's a book called The Body Keeps Score. And it's he's a psychologist. And he talks about how emotion, in any emotion, it can be positive, it can be negative, if it's not allowed to just exist and be felt, it can be, it will be stored in the body. And so the body has these remembrances of these events, which is what um, helps cause or triggers why people with like PTSD can be triggered is because the body remembers those things. That makes sense. Oh, it's a fascinating book. It's really heavy. <laughs> I haven't read quite, I haven't read all of it. I've read a fair amount. But it's, is it old or is it new? Um, it's not that old. I can't remember. It's sitting over on the shelf, like on the opposite side of the um, room. I'm writing it down right now. But yeah, um, it's really fascinating. He also compares, I don't know when it was written, but he did a lot of work with Vietnam veterans. So oh. he did a lot of work with Vietnam veterans. And then he would compare that to people with, um, one who had single incident traumas and, and kind of talked about the difference in, in the trauma response. But then he also found a lot of similarities in the things that happened like within the body. It was really fascinating. Oh my gosh. That sounds so interesting. I'm totally going to get that book. So one of the things the physical movement does and, and it can be, it doesn't have to be yoga. I mean, shoot, I've done classes where we dance and shake. Mm-hmm. Just any physical movement helps release becoming unstuck within the tissues. And so combining that physical movement with the breath and with the mindfulness helps pull that stuff out a little bit so that you can then sit with it, allow the emotion to move through you and release, if that makes sense. Yeah. When you said that you had a breath technique for releasing, what what does what does that look like? My favorite, there are some others, but my favorite one is called Lion's Breath. And it's so much fun and you look ridiculous doing it. So, you know, dress your shirt, <laughs> find a private bathroom because it makes some noise. Um, so what you do is you deep inhale in and then on your exhale, you stick out your tongue and I'll sound it. I'll do it here for you so you can hear how it sounds. You stick out your tongue and you just let it all go. So it sounds something like this and it varies person to person too. And I'll try, okay. and, I'll try and do it loud for the listeners. Yeah, I do. <sighs> and you can just feel, do you want to do it with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just feel kind of everything leaving as you do it. 
All right, so deep inhale in, as deep as you can get. And then on the exhale, stick out the tongue and just make a sound. <laughs> my dog is looking at me right now. <laughs> I do it all the time. So my dogs are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, you do. It does feel silly too, but gosh, what's better than laughter? I mean, you like, know, if that, if that's a side effect, that's great. Sometimes. Yeah. Laughter will help pull you out of it. It does feel a little bit ridiculous, but once you kind of get used to doing it, um, you're like, oh, I did a yoga class a while back. Um, when I first started doing the grief and every, I don't know, we, we did a lot of lion's breath in that class. Mm -hmm. Combine. I like combining the lion's breath with a little bit of movement. So you move up, inhale, sit down, exhale, lion's breath, that kind of thing. And uh, so we got a lot of practice in class of using lion's breath. And it was so cute because two, I think two or three of the women in class that week were like, oh my gosh, work was so stressful. I went in the bathroom and I did a bunch of lion's breath. <laughs> and <it> really helped. <laughs> That's awesome though. I mean, you don't want it to be something that people can only do when they're with you or, you know, watching your class or in your class. Absolutely. You want it to be coping mechanisms for people when they're hit my, my, um, I did hair for a while. And one of my clients told me that when her husband passed, that her priest told her that it's like the ocean and you look out on the ocean and it looks calm, but then occasionally a wave will come and it will knock you down. And sometimes it takes a long time to get back up. And sometimes it doesn't, you just bounce right back up, but those waves come and you never know when they're going to hit you. And I thought that was just the coolest analogy for grief Mm -hmm. because it does just hit. It does. Yeah. And you never know. And sometimes it, it just really knocks you down. So yeah, that's one of my things is to give people tools that they can use when they get knocked down. I have a, I love that. I have a download on my website called five things to do when you feel overwhelmed with grief. And it's just a very five, very practical things that you can take and do one at a time all together, a couple of them together, like whatever ones resonate with you. Like you don't have to do all five. You can. Yeah. <laughs> um, hurt. But yeah, you can do them in whatever combination feels good to you. And um, it's just a very, yeah, I'm all about here are some tools that you can take. Um, I talk a lot about grief and, and, and I may do this, I do this for the kids that I work with as well. Like one of my kids is transitioning into high school. So we're going back and there are a lot of people don't know this, but there are eight limbs of yoga. And the first two limbs deal with the way you interact with the world and the way you interact with yourself. And I did not know that. That's very interesting. They're called the yamas and the niyamas. And um, so we're, before school starts, because we're transitioning from middle school to high school, um, we're going through and we're talking about ways to interact with community, with self. How, How does this look? How can we take this deeper? How can we apply it to our new um, environment that we're going to? 
I didn't even know before we talked that you even did yoga. So this is just <laughs> mind blowing. I, I honestly, I just had no idea. And I think it's fascinating how you're combining two things. I, I it's mind blowing. Kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What yeah. grade do you teach? High school. I'm oh. actually since K-12. I've taught every grade pre-K through 12. Is the... um yoga place is it only yoga or do you guys do meditation and stuff too um I combine combine it all together and teach it as a whole does that okay that's awesome so when we're in I open and close almost all of my classes I I don't so I want to say all because every once in a while I will do something different but I open and close almost all of my classes I close them all the same way in the final resting pose it's called corpse pose but i often open my classes in that rest pose as well on your back um and we begin i usually begin with a body scan and breath i work body scans throughout so sometimes often lately what i've been doing is we'll do a body scan we'll focus on the breath i'll do a breathing technique with them And then once we release the breath and just go back to a regular breath, I'll have him do a body scan again and just notice the difference. What is a a body scan? Um, You just kind of notice, hard to explain. So you start, I always start at the bottom of the feet. So you start at the bottom of your feet and just notice how the muscles feel, notice how the joints feel working your way up the legs, noticing how things feel, notice where you store tension within your body. Notice where, you know, like I said, there may be areas of tightness. There might be areas that feel sticky. There may be areas that feel really good. Notice those as well. Um, And so we just work our way up the body, noticing these areas. Like for me, I can tell you that when I get really nervous, I can feel it in my gut. Oh, if I'm not speaking up for myself and speaking my truth, it's even lower in my gut and it gets kind of heavy and it kind of pushes down. Um, Do you really get to know your body? Yes. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. And the cool thing about when you really get to know your body is that you can tell before something happens how you're feeling because you get so connected and so in tune with what's going on in the body that like if something is starting to upset you or, and then instead of being reactive to things, it gives you a chance to act on it in a different way. If that makes sense. Yep. I can give an example if that would help. Yeah, I do. So, I'll do the one from this year. So this year, (laughs) just a few months ago, on my way in one morning to school, the very, very, very end of the school year, I think it was, it was the first, because we do finals for seniors for a couple days and then all student finals start. So I think it was the first day of all student finals. And I knew first period that I was supposed to be helping because I'm a special ed teacher, I help proctor finals. So I knew that I had to be in the classroom where I was going to be helping proctor finals. And so I didn't have 
like I had somewhere I had to be. I didn't have a lot of leeway in the morning. I was running maybe a tiny bit late, but not not bad, like pretty normal morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm five minutes from my house getting ready to turn. I'm in a left turn lane, getting ready to turn left. And there's a truck in front of me who puts on his backup lights. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, and plowed right into me. And so we pull over and of course his truck was like a 1986 Ford. So it was iron bumper. <laughs> right. Right. Got a scratch on it. And I have a fairly new Honda Civic and my whole front end is like crunched. <laughs> oh gosh. So we pull over and, um, you know, we're waiting for all of the things and it took a couple of hours I don't think I got to, I think it was nine, have to be at school seven thirty, And I think I got there about nine thirty. So, I mean, it took a couple hours to do all of the things. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I get to school and they were like, Hey, if you need to take a few minutes to collect yourself, just take a few minutes. I was like, yeah, I, that's a good idea. I need to get <laughs> out. And I, I took some breaths and then I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. Okay. I got this. And keep in mind, like I've had a, meditation practice for probably about four years at this point. Um, and about three years ago, I started a gratitude practice and every morning I write three things that I'm grateful for. And it could honestly be the sunshine, the flowers and my dogs. Like it does not have to be anything fancy. Right. But those two things. And I Notice that if I go without one or the other in the morning, that my day is usually off a little bit. But if I have those two practices firmly in place, that no matter what comes my way, even when some moron backs into me in the left turn lane, right? Physically and emotionally, like I can recover and it won't completely destroy my day. Whereas in the past, it would have, like, it would have ruined the rest of my day. So just learning to accept, like, meditation and and the gratitude journal, like, I really feel like it's those two things together have given me tools where I can be like, okay, I'll just accept that for what it is. And then oftentimes something better ends up happening. Not always. Sometimes it is the way it is. Um, But then I'm better able to handle it because... I have those tools in my back pocket and I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is what it's going to be. That's, that's awesome. I mean, like everybody could use that just a way yeah. to change your mindset, change your attitude and your, the way you react. Yeah. Oh, that's, this has just been so mind opening. I, I can't even tell you, I have really just been like, whoa, um, how can people find you? Like if there's people that want to take your yoga classes, um, from afar, how can they find yeah. you work with me? I do, um, classes and one-on-ones and I'll do even small groups. So like if you, if you have a family that wants to get together, you and a friend want to get together and do yoga together, you can see me in person or online. Um, my website is Tulsi and it's T-U-L-S-I roseyoga.com. If you put a forward slash on that and type in five things, that'll get you to my download. Yeah. I'm going to definitely pass that information on to some people that I think would really benefit. So that's amazing. What made you come up with the Tulsi Rose 
Thank you for asking. Um, actually, it came to me in meditation. Mm -hmm. I am a budding herbalist as well. And so I'm learning about herbs and healing herbs and how to incorporate teas into. So if you come in person, oftentimes I will have a tea available for you to sip while we practice um, and for you to take with you when you leave in mm -hmm. the it's been sun tea in the wintertime it's usually hot it's hot tea um and so tulsi is actually known as holy basil and it's one of the most healing highest vibrating plants out there along with rose and blending the two of those together is actually a beautiful it's the base for almost everything i do oh that's awesome i've had tulsi tea before i've bought yeah. it on amazon because i heard it had really good benefits but I didn't buy it again. So I need to, it wasn't cause I didn't like it. You know how you just do things on a fluke and then, yes. well, that's how I am anyway. But, um, well, so how long do you have to learn all of it? All about herbs and stuff. Um, I'm currently not involved in any specific courses. Um, right now I'm doing just like workshops and things. So I'm heading into Wisconsin in September for a wild foraging festival. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Wisconsin's beautiful. Yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, with two of my friends, uh, one of my closest friends is a clinical herbalist. Okay. Well, I would like to have you back on later another time and talk about all that. Cause I am fascinated with that kind of stuff, but I don't know a ton of it. I just read things here and there. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of magic in herbal medicines and teas and all that stuff. So there's so much magic in herbal medicines and teas. Well, and food is my, my friend who's the herbalist, she teaches a lot of food as medicine as well. Um, I'm sitting here staring. I have a pepper plant. It's pepperweed on my table right now. And you can actually use it in place of pepper. Oh, cool. And I got it from my yard before I mowed it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that stuff's intriguing to me too. So I would love to talk about that. Yeah, there's lots of little things that you can do that just incorporate eating like more local and foraging. My friend will say foraging, go forage your yard. <laughs> yeah. Well, gosh, and things are so expensive right now. Like <laughs> it's going to be our option at this point. Exactly. I mean, my gosh, I just, I can't even stand the prices at the grocery stores and stuff. But, um, well, it's been fascinating talking to you. Honestly, this, I learned so much and you have a beautiful voice. It's a very calming voice. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure people just really enjoy your classes and hearing your soothing type of voice. I'm sure it helps a ton. Thank you. Yeah, I think they do. People have said that sometimes coming into my presence, whether virtual or in person, it's like, oh, okay. I had a friend describe my energy as like peaches and rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get more hippie than that. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, there's worse things, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being on my podcast. I appreciate it so much and I will definitely be in touch. All right. Thank you, Don. This was thank great. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Yo.